Coming up on another episode of the Front Page Football Podcast, we've got a huge episode lined up for you today. All the discussion, all the talking points from Graham Arnold's 26-man Socceroos squad for the FIFA World Cup. Um, I think overall, the discussion is quite positive around the uh, around the squad, and I think in general, it does seem quite positive. But of course, there were some some interesting um, omissions in in the squad, and uh, some other talking points as well around how this team is going to look come game one against France. So a lot to discuss. Uh, I'll be joined by Antonis Pagonis, Cody Ajada, Matt Olson, and Dylan Bozic. Chevik as well and uh yeah a massive podcast coming up for you five people on it and uh you know i don't want to waste anyone's time so i'm your host christian marchetti and without further ado we'll be back right after this Welcome back to another episode of the Front Page Football Podcast, and tonight we've got a very special edition of the podcast. Uh, I think it was pretty pertinent to have a bit of a discussion, a bit of a reaction to the 26-man squad that was announced earlier today by Graham Arnold, uh, and it is the squad he will be taking to the World Cup in Qatar later this month. Um, First of all, uh, let me introduce who is joining me on the podcast tonight. We've got our usual regulars, Antonis Pagonis. How are we? Yeah, good. How are you? Great to have the squad finally out. Close the yeah. World Cup. Yeah, I saw. Um, I think it was. I think it was Vince Regari actually tweeted today. I thought it was quite funny where he mentioned like World Cup, like World Cup announcement day is like it's like Christmas or something, <laughs> Christmas which I thought, was, I thought was especially a great on the Twitter universe. <laughs> yeah, everyone yeah. gets ready to open up yeah. the presents under the tree. Absolutely. Um, also joined by Cody Ajada. Cody? Always good, Chris. Always good. And he just called me Chris on the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. Inside joke. Basically, I don't like the name Chris for, for those listening. Anyway, we've also got all the way over from WA, Matt Olson. Matt, how are we? Yeah, look, I mean, I mean the, the first thing that sticks out to me is is... Uh, you know, this is the 100th anniversary of the Socceroos. And for these 26 men, they're representing more than the kit in Qatar. So there's a lot to to understand from a historical perspective as well. Um, but just in general, I think the squad is is as solid as we could have expected it to be. So good vibes today. Um, and I hope the same for you, Christian. And we're also joined for the very first time on this podcast by our, our new contributor at Front Page Football, Dylan Bozicevic. Dylan, how are you going, mate? Yeah, I'm good. Um, honestly, to be honest, very excited to be here and really excited for the squad, to be honest, which we'll go through later yep. on. But I, I feel like it's a it's a strong squad. And as Matt said, probably the, the most solid that we could have had. Absolutely. All right. Well, there's a lot to break down here. Um, I'm preparing for, for a pretty big podcast here. But um, honestly, I'm, I'm happy to start wherever. Uh, Antonis, where, where do you think we should start with this one? Because there's obviously some big omissions in this team. Some one in particular was very controversial. I think has been heavily debated. Um, you've got some some injury concerns. You've got um, you know some bolters that have that have made the squad. Uh, I'll I'll uh, hand over to you first. Where do you want to start? Yeah, I'm gonna start with that big glaring one that we talked about with 
Mitch Langerak at the back. Which I was expecting you to start yes. with Craig Goodwin, but you've gone with Langerak. No, yeah, okay. they, they will start off with the negative and then we'll go towards the yeah. feel-good stories. But like, oh, Mitch Langerak, you know, who's gone into international retirement, that many people are actually debating if you should be starting over Matt Ryan, let alone being in the squad. Gets, I certainly would put that case yeah, forward, by the way. Yeah, it yeah. gets enticed out of international retirement for the New Zealand games to much fanfare. Doesn't get any minutes, which fair enough. Give Ryan a game, give the Peru hero Red Man a game, and then World Cup squad laurels around, and there's nowhere to be seen. And I don't know, it just feels like a real kick in the guts for him. Um, it's not going to make an impact on the field. I hope it doesn't, or we're in real trouble. But it's just a really, really confusing one. And it was just real interesting today to see Graham Arnold just basically say, not me, he was a goalkeeper coach. So, yeah, I don't know. For a pretty solid squad, this was a Would you, real... Did you feel like he was just trying to deflect blame? Yeah, I don't know if he's trying to deflect blame. I've seen some people say, oh, it might be because of the dynamics. What dynamics? I'm confused. Like, what, what are we talking about here? I think, it, I think this is a Sydney FC thing. To be honest with you, well, um, that's exactly and, you straight the conspiracy. Well, well, that's it's not. Well, yeah, duh, Captain Obvious, I guess. But what, what I mean, what I mean is, like the, I, I don't think this is a dynamics from the point of the Socceroos dynamics. It's the former Sydney FC dynamics now that are going to work in the Socceroos squad from his point of view. It must be, it, you know, you've got John Crawley, you've got obviously Arnie himself, and then you've got Vukovic and Redmayne, who were both. Uh, competing for for the goalkeeper spot at Sydney FC. So you've got four, you know, people there who are ex-Sydney FC. And for me, if you read between the lines, I've got no, you know, inside information on this. Just reading in between the lines, it's it's potentially just a, a case of, you know, uh, a group of people who have worked together before and that's what they're going with. Personally, I think I agree with you though. I don't I don't really get it. Um and I don't think you know, as Tommy Orr has come out and and very blatantly said uh, via via Alta Sport that you know what's you know what's Mitch Langrak going to do? Like, is he honestly like going to walk in there and cause like brawls? Is that you know is he is he really like that bad of a factor for for squad dynamics? I, I don't I don't and see I'm that. Sorry, so. are we doing this to protect? Matt Ryan to give him confidence. He's our captain. He shouldn't need confidence. No, Antonis, that, Antonis, that's the that's the entire point. Hey, is that is that Matt Ryan's the captain of the of the squad? So, so and, and also just from John Crawley's perspective, I'm just playing devil's advocate. By the yeah, way, yeah, yeah. I think Langrec should be in the team. Mm-hmm. But if you if you look historically at it, I'm pretty sure Crawley has spent more time working with Vukovic and Redmayne than he has with Langrec. Right. So from that dynamics point, I think Christian's completely spot on. But but I think Langrak wasn't going to start a game, regardless of whether he's there or not. He's not starting because Ryan is the captain of the team. Yeah. Absolutely. I just want to go back to the dynamics debate because Matt Ryan is in his own dogfight right now who, and he's dealing with a character in Grabara in Copenhagen that is a real disruptor when you compare him to Mitch Langrak. So I reckon he's going to be just fine knowing that He's not the bench warmer. He is captaining the nation. And if need be, you have a fantastic quality backup who, again, wouldn't have been in that squad a few months ago, but did come out of retirement. And I guess there was a suggestion that he would be going to the World Cup. He doesn't see a minute and then just is not on the plane. It's just a real weird one. Like you said, it's not going to affect the actual team because hopefully no one other than Matt Ryan is seen on the field. But 
it's just a real unnecessary one, in my opinion. But and, and Antonis, what does that say about the what does that say about the chemistry of the entire squad? That our biggest selection is one that, in your own words, is not even going to affect the starting eleven. Oh yeah, they big credit to them. Like, look at two of the people that have come into the squad for the Mariners boys. We've got Garen Cole, who's a boy basically that hasn't started a game yet, and then we've got Jason Cummings, who's come from overseas with a lot of question marks and they've been welcomed with open arms. So chemistry wise, I think props to everyone for welcoming in whoever is brought in. I think the chemistry is fantastic. And that's why I think, you know, what would Mitch Langerag do to disrupt that? But yeah, like you said, the chemistry is fantastic. And if we were doing a world cup based on that, I reckon there wouldn't be questions about us leaving the group stages. Yeah. I I think, this is one where the, the case for Langerak would have been look, I still don't I still don't get uh, I think we can still all agree. I still don't understand why he was still brought in for those New Zealand fixtures though. Like you know, that should have still been for me, you want you want to start building towards what your final squad is gonna be there. Now, unless unless Arnold, you know, still had him in mind as as going to Qatar after those New Zealand friendlies, and then in the last couple of weeks with discussions with Crawley has has decided against it. I'm not sure, but I think Langrak's case for me, for me, honestly, I, I actually think he should be so- the soccer starting goalkeeper. I, I think he's been that consistent and he's been that good in what is actually a pretty good league in the J League um, for, for many years. And it's not, not because Matt Ryan necessarily hasn't been good, but we all know that Matt Ryan has faced issues with playing time in the last particularly 18 yeah. months, right? Which yeah, Christian, that, that's where Ryan being the captain factors into that, though. But he is the yeah, captain. Honest. Exactly. No, no, exactly. Yeah. And, and, I, and I totally agree with that. Totally agree with that. All I would say is for Langerak to really have made a proper push for this team, he would have had to somehow displace Ryan about 12 months ago. If he had done mm. that, something like that, and then impressed. When did he When did he come yeah. out of retirement officially? When did he come, for come out of retirement? For that game. For that. I, I think it was a, that game, yeah. a quick, a few mm. weeks before that New Zealand game. Okay. And again, the other argument is, oh, yeah, he hasn't been through all the qualification campaigns, which is fair enough, I guess. But again, like for me, is like, why would you put the carrot on the stick there and then just pull it out? Mm. Mm. I, I, I think the indication that he wasn't going to be in the squad was there when he didn't start in Auckland, though. The second game in Auckland, when, when I saw Andrew Redmayne mm. on, on the sheet, I thought, Mangrax, he's gone. He's just completely gone. And he was. I think I think he wasn't he wasn't even really in the picture. And I think it's just the, the personal preference of Graham Arnold and John Crawley because they're much more familiar with Redmayne and Vukovic being in the setup for as many years as they were and to reflect back on John Crawley's um, domestic career as well. He's probably worked with the other two a lot more than he has Mitch. So if it it was Crawley's choice, you know, Arnold's, if he's, if he's backing away when he's saying it's John Crawley's choice, that's, that's a bad thing, but I think he he should, if anything, just double down on that and say, yeah, this is who John's familiar with. This is who John wants the team. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, yeah, the, other, the other thing why bring him yeah why take him to new zealand why take bring him back mm. to australia why and yeah what cody's mm. saying and i also don't feel comfortable with just going with who's familiar because then ryan grant should be in this squad too you know like we shouldn't just be going with who we're familiar with but rewarding people for but, but antonis 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 the that that right back left back position it's a lot more important in terms of bringing players off the bench how often are you going to bring keepers so off so the this, bench? Is, this is interesting okay, absolutely because, hang yeah. on, hang on, absolutely hang on. can i just say one thing yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely but with the backup goalkeeper with someone who you're hoping will never see the pitch why would you not reward 
basically, if you can argue your best performing goalkeeper over the last four years. But Antonis, so how many caps he, he, does he, he how many caps does he earn for Australia in those four I'm not, years? I'm Antonis. talking about domestic football here because he has been retired from international football. Yeah, no, but I think that that plays into that a lot more than than we realise. Yeah, I'm talking about familiarity though here. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, yeah, before before you two um really really get into it. <laughs> um, the what what I would say <laughs> is this is that Redmayne is actually the backup though, right? So and this is why this is why now. People would say, what do you mean? He's third choice. But think of classic example, Tim Krull, 2014 for the Netherlands, right? So Redmayne, in my opinion, if I actually look at this now and, and take a second, he's going to be this option now we saw in the shootout against Peru, where if Australia are to make it past the group stage somehow, finish second, whatever, he is the penalty wildcard. He honestly is, right? And, and I think that's what is really important, I think, there. And it's it's not like a massive argument point, to be honest. It's just something that I've maybe just picked up on there. And I don't know what the point is for Langrak if he's not going to start of actually going. Do you understand what I'm saying? If he's not really... Actually, I'll bring you a point up. We're South Australian with Adelaide. Eugene Galekovic always used to be in their squads. Why? Mm. Not because he was going to play. He wasn't going to get the minutes. He was third mm. choice. But because he was the outstanding goalkeeper and he was being rewarded with his outstanding performances in the A-League. Again, I don't want to really stay on this because, as we yeah. mentioned, it is such a minuscule thing and hopefully we don't have to talk about anyone other than the great work Matt Ryan does. It's just, yeah, a real bizarre one and, like I said, a real unnecessary one. But, yeah, I reckon let's move on to things that Yeah, yeah, no, let's happen. move on, let's move on. Um, Jesus Christ, I said this is going to be a big pop podcast, <laughs> but, like, fuck, that's, we've spent a lot of time discussing that. Anyway, um... Let's let's move on because Matt did mention the fullback situation there, and there was a little bit of um, discussion around Jason Davidson's omission from the squad and Joel King instead getting the getting the nod. Um, now I think we all know Aziz Page is going to start in that position, but it, that was an interesting, I guess, discussion point for for the backup in that role. Uh, Dylan, I'll ask you, Matt, because um, you do have the Sydney FC kit on at the moment, and we're talking about Joel King here, so. What um what do you think of that selection? Did did you think maybe Davidson um should have been in the squad? And and if he's in the squad, you know, is Davidson? I think some people even said should he be starting for the Socceroos? But uh, yeah, what, what's your thoughts? Yeah, um, looking at it from obviously, yeah, I've got this in your shirt on, but I think it's a no brainer that Davidson goes. Honestly, I think he's the best left back that we have. Um, he's playing at the highest level compared to the rest. He's probably the most experienced other than obviously beige but i think when it comes to quality we're going to need in especially in those fullback positions where we're coming up against france denmark and tunisia as well who their better players are in those those wing positions our fullbacks are going to need to be on top of it so i, I thought honestly i thought he was a no-brainer to be in the squad but obviously arnold's thought otherwise um so i think it's a it's a very big call as you said, Beige will, will most likely start the first game and probably the rest. I don't see Joel King getting too much game time unless it's off the bench. But, um, yeah, I, we've spoken about this before. I think Davidson was – he had to go. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, look, I think, I think the reason he's maybe taking King here is, you know – Backup fullback is still an important position, you know, and as Matt said um, before, you know, 
there is going to be there's potentially potential for more uh, interchangeability in in that role throughout the three games. But I I think if you know why why take maybe two 30 year olds when you can take a 30 year old and someone who's younger that that like that that must be i guess yeah. he's feeling feeling towards that and i think if he thought similar to what i was kind of just saying with langrak if he thinks that davidson isn't going to start ahead of Bayich, then why potentially you know waste mm-hmm. that spot on on a 30 year old instead of and you can just bring in a in a young player like joel king yeah, yeah in, in, in the conference today i think you were in the conference i think um graham mm. arnold men, kept mentioning how it's He's bringing some young players in for that legacy. He's looking yeah. further on if he's in the job or not. I think he wants to blood in some of these younger players. And I think it's what you're saying. When you have two 30-year-olds, take the one you're going to play and put the other one on the plane to give them the experience. Also, another thing to consider is, with Craig Goodwin making that squad, will it be Joel King that plays left back off the bench if you want all this attacking quality for chasing the game and you've got Craig Goodwin on there and you'd want to gives you a new look of how to cross the ball as when that Graham Arnold thing. I, I think I think that's an option where it's like yeah if it's, to throw if it's, everything at a thing. Yeah, yeah. Like what one all in like yeah. the third game against Tunisia and we have to win, it's like okay, put good when it left back at the balls but in the box. That's yeah, the thing. You know? I we're more than likely going game, to just FYI, yeah. Christian. What's that? Denmark is the third game, oh. not Tunisia. Sorry, sorry my bad. Yeah. 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 But I in more in more than likely situations we are going to be chasing a goal and I think it's more likely that they will try and stack all the attacking talent on the field and put someone like Goodwin that has played left back before and can swing those balls in from deep but yeah we'll see it will be a good experience for King but yeah if I was Jason Davidson I feel pretty hard done by as well yeah I agree I think honestly the real the real talking point of this is that Davidson should be there instead of Beige I think as you said King you know so you, you say no Bayage. You wouldn't take Bayage? I wouldn't take Bayage. I think, oh, as you said, right. it's good to have one older, one younger. I know it's a, it's a bit of a controversial That's a hot take. We got There we go. First one. Bang. <laughs> I think it is a controversial call. But as I said before, I think Davidson's the most skilled out of the three. And experience-wise, obviously, Bayage probably has a little bit more than that, more experience than Davidson. But I would take Davidson as the first choice. And then, as you guys said, have King and Goodwin there when needed. Can the I other, the you, other options, yeah, Antonis, yeah, yeah. Can I? Because you mentioned your hot take here, I'll mention mine from the other flank of fullback. Because I genuinely take Ryan Strain mm. over either. For me, for me, I don't is know. Kar- why is South, you know, Karacic? Uh, South, look, yeah, I, I don't think Karacic is bad or anything. But why does it seem like his spot is so? Like secure in this squad. Like I'm not yeah. experienced in it's, Europe, I reckon. Experienced yeah, yeah. in Europe as well. And the fact Italy. that he never played in the A League. Yeah. And for mm. me, genuinely, I think Ryan Strain's better all around than Karasic. And I feel like he's much more solid defensively mm. than Nathaniel Atkinson, who's fantastic going forward, but we've seen him a bit suspect at the back. So for me, if not starting, he should at least be on the plane, Ryan Strain. Can someone defeat my South Australian bias or confirm? No, no, I'm, I'm with you on that one, Antonis. I just want to say, from a, from a depth perspective with those three left-backs, how good is it that we're talking about three left-backs mm. who are playing? But, and Matt, yes. Matt, just, just on that, I we haven't even yeah. mentioned Callum Elder and yeah. Alex Gersback. And on the right-back side of things, well, actually, it's probably mainly those three, to be honest. But yeah. the, good the point. 
what like yeah, ago, I was just thinking yeah, yeah. that was you know we really do have a bit of depth in that left back position, which is which is good. The other thing about Davidson, which is important to remember, is look, it was a while ago, but he does have experience of actually being in successful Socceroo sides. Um, of, of course, with the Asian Cup, right? So, um, you know, that, that was an interesting one. But I guess, mm-hmm. you know, Arnold, if we look at this squad as a whole, he's very much focusing on a little bit of the here and now, but there is definitely a bit more of a nod to the future, I think, as well. So, um, yeah. Um, all right. Let's uh, let's move on then. And, uh, yeah, we have to talk about another big omission. I guess we're kind of going goalkeeper, fullbacks. Now we'll move to centre-backs. Uh, we've, we've actually kind of ended up, going through this positionally so center backs um matt i'll um let you maybe take over a little bit here on this one so no trent sainsbury which was uh, a surprise omission is it when you actually reflect on it though is it that surprising like i know it's 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 surprising right but it's kind of when you actually listen to what arnold was saying around his minutes and basically not playing any club football it's actually kind of like you step back and go oh yeah actually he hasn't really played much yeah um, so, so here's what, you know, here's what yeah. i'm trying to get my my head around with sainsbury right trent moved to el wakra the city that we are playing all three of our games in in, in qatar right which is actually quite incredible and for me it's a funny one because you, you move to el wakra to get more game time in qatar to get more game time in quite literally the stadium we are playing all of our games at but their season is finished so like mm. what are you doing <laughs> Yeah, you're not playing football. He's gone to Melbourne City to go and train with them. Like he got that experience. He got that much needed experience in Qatar, obviously. But yeah, I mean, the, the, their season was over. So it, it, in one way, it works. In the other way, it absolutely doesn't. Um, and I think it's a bit of a head scratcher. I would honestly say with Sainsbury and getting ahead of ourselves, but also with the omission of Adam Taggart, you're looking at two players there that pretty much should just resign themselves to the A League now that they know that their soccer future is, is all but over. Um, and given that he's been with Melbourne City, you'd have to firmly put Trent in that in that position right now, wouldn't you? Yeah, I, I put that down as a mild tech. Um, okay. Yeah, I, I, I'd um, no, no, I think it's I think it's spot on. I think it's spot on. Um, and seems like there might be a bit of target glory buzz going around a little bit as well. So I, yeah. I'm not going to comment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, 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 absolutely, no. I've and I have no, I've heard these, again, I have no factual information about it. I'm just yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, uh, not going off topic. Uh, yes, Antonis. Yeah, with our centre back, because the other thing I want to bring up is a couple of them who you probably start do come in under the injury cloud with Harry Sutar returning from his long-term injury, Kai Rolls only only just recently getting injured. Who do you guys start? Who uh, do you back so I, guys so I'm gonna, I'm, I'm going to jump in here because yeah. Uh, I obviously wrote wrote a bit of a piece recently on this uh, on the centre back options, and funnily enough, I actually came to the conclusion that I thought Arnold would go with Sainsbury because he trusts him, and you know the the obviously connection there. Quite literally, uh, by nepotism, the, right? Yeah, and, and honestly, like, I was backing the nepotism um, yeah. as well, but um, fucking that's that's out the window. So um, you know, luckily, you know, Graham's in Qatar and 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 Trent's in Melbourne. Uh, you know, I don't think they'll be doing any virtual virtual dinners, um, Father. Um, father-in-law and Christmas at the end of the World Cup is going to be kind of awkward. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It is. Um, but anyway, you know, um, I thought Sainsbury was just kind of a lock because of his experience and stuff. And and I knew about obviously that him not playing and stuff, but I, I just felt with Sainsbury Arnold would maybe put that to so- to the side and, and be like, you know, I, tr- I trust this guy. Um, but, you know, massive shock, which because of that, for me, it becomes a case of if Suter and Rolls are fit, that is my starting two. Uh, and for me, 
I know Bailey Wright has maybe got a case here and there, but I actually think it's it's not even close. I I, I really do think that if those two are fit, what about and what's that? What are your thoughts on Milosh? No, look, Milosh as well. No, Milosh as well is there. I just I, I don't know. I just think that for me, it's actually more about how Suta and Rolls could work together. I I think it really it, okay. it would really work well with. And I think I wrote it in the piece that Suta. First of all, Suta actually has to be in there because let, let's be honest here, we're going to be very reliant on set pieces here, right? I, and, I agree with you there. Can I can I just say yeah. he probably isn't fit enough though. Like I, by the sounds of it, he's not going to be. So he's played a couple France. games under twenty ones for Stoke. Yeah, and okay. No, no, and no. To your point, yep, that's not really what you want. But is there, um, you know, a case where he could get an appearance for Stoke in before, and then you know maybe over in Qatar just just get a little bit more up to speed, but I, I don't know. It's it's still very much a Okay, so, so let's say yeah. let's say he's out for France. Who do you mm-hmm. put in? Then you put in Milos, I think. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so sure. yeah. If, if Milos would be my, you know, first first backup. And then I think you've got I think you've got Bailey Wright yeah. as well. Look, go, one guy go one guy. Deng. Yeah, yeah, Antonis. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, for me, I'd put Thomas Deng in. Yeah, well I was just me. about to mention yeah. Thomas Deng. I, I depends look, how I'm not quite wrong doing as well in the lead up. He's made a couple of minutes of return to hearts. You don't know how he's going to go this weekend. Rolls should be a lot more uh, yeah. in better shape than Suter, I think, because he Suter actually has... Been out for yeah. a few weeks rather than Suter being out for 12 months. Mm. Yeah, think sure. so. And honestly, I'd pro- he'd probably be my lock to start if Sainsbury's not going to be there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah and... Like Christian said, I think you start... Ideally, you start Suter and Rolls... But then you have to be realistic, especially on the. You're only going to be able to start one of them. Yeah, you'll only be able to start one of them. We can't have two. And also, you're going to have someone a plan B that you, unlike the backup goalkeeper side of it, you're realistically going to have to use. Mm. Oh yeah, think about it, right? Because what's that code? Sudo and Rawls haven't actually played together, and we really want their first game being paired up when they're both returning from injury against a side like France. Yeah, no, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. I'm you'd just... question the chemistry of that going up against Mbappe, wouldn't you? hundred <laughs> percent, exactly. Or Oliver probably yeah. as well. Yeah. Like yeah. Apparently, Benzema's going to be injured for the first game. They don't know if return. I reckon they work better without Benzema. But... Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, so honestly, Benzema for me, I know this This is not an international pod, Christian, just very quickly, though. Benzema for me makes Be careful, me, you just won the Ballon d'Or. Anyway. I think more of the, the 2014 era of France. Obviously, because, you know, he was out of the team and all that controversy. I get that. But mm. I associate him more with the era before that. And mm. the fact that we're sort of re-bringing him into the conversation, it's a funny one. But yeah, that, that, that is what it is. Yeah, but he, he like is someone, just, just yeah. one last comment on him for me. He is like these age like a fine wine kind of strikers. That's, that is what That's he true. has become. Uh, really weirdly, because it's really weird just because he was like brought by Madrid in 2009 as this wonder kid. And then it kind of like took him 13 years to really realize his potential. But anyway, uh, Antonis, yeah. Yeah, uh, back to that one, because Giroud is a completely different striker. But I think against a side like Australia, who will realistically be sitting back, someone like that that is not there just to purely score, but to play his other teammates in, might actually be a bit of a worry for us. Well, but I think we'll see how it plays out. Well, maybe so the, case, the case, the case we're worrying the, about. Yeah, yeah if we're worried about yeah. striker who's going to drop deep. Would we um, realistically want to play an actual six in that game then? Usually, uh, it's Jackson is one that's carrying those defensive responsibilities, but he's more of a box-to-box midfielder. Mm-hmm. Like I was going to say that. I mean, What's that, Dylan? 
Is that where Bacchus could maybe come in? So now we're talking. I was about thinking more Devlin. Right. I was yes. thinking Devlin as well. Yeah. For me, for me, I start a natural six every game. Every yeah. game I start a natural six, preferably Cami Devlin. But even if Bacchus was playing, I don't mind. But I'd like yeah. to see yeah. a natural six every single game. I think I think realistically, whichever one you pick out of Bacchus and Devlin, you can't go wrong. Mm. I think they're quite similar in. In mm. type of player, they've so, got that ability to get around the pitch. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'd be confident with we, we either one starting. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, Antonio, to your point around Deng, well, he's definitely out of all the centre backs we got, probably best equipped physically to deal with an Mbappe type. So I mean that that would maybe be be the case there. But if Benzema, well, maybe you're saying that he he, he might not be fit for for that first game. But if he was to be, then you know a fully fit suitor, you could just you know, uh, chuck him there and see see really what it can do from a physical point of view. But anyway, um, moving on um, to to the midfield then, because uh, we just did briefly briefly mention it. Um, I guess uh, quite a few not surprises. Um, I guess surprises, but it's more maybe the omissions which which stand out. But I don't know if it's you know because okay, Metcalf and John Rowe, uh miss out, but. I guess Bacchus and Devlin have strong cases, so it's not it's not like it's a it's a shocking omission probably of those other two. John Rowe was the one that really really upset me. I was really big on on taking him purely because outside of Frosted, he's the other player in a top five league. Um, so there's so there's that. John Rowe, yeah. But yeah, 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 John Rowe, yeah. But since Toulouse have been promoted, he has mm. been sort of more and more kind of castrated from the team. He's still happy within the environment. He's made he a lot of sub appearances, though. Like it's, it's not, not, it's not like he's yeah. been fully, you know, okay. yeah. axed. Yeah, and that's yeah, I, something he's going to build to, I guess. Mm. But I think the reason why someone like that and Metcalf weren't picked, and some players like Devlin and Bacchus were picked, which kind of felt like out of nowhere, is because we do need those natural sixes. And as good as Metcalf and Genre are. We've got players like them that can provide things in the box-to-box phase, in a 10 phase. When we need, when you come up against Denmark's and France, you need someone to shield that back line, which Devlin or Bacchus can and should do every game, at least one of them. Yeah, I think that the context of it matters as well, right? Metcalf's just freshly come off the A-League. Mm. Has he played any minutes for some Pauli? I couldn't actually tell you. So like he's so he, he's played a bit more he's played a bit more than genre, um, yeah. but it's very similar situations where it's mainly been sub appearances. I would say Metcalf has been more impactful though in those appearances. Mm. But I think just on that map, because you mentioned the top five league stuff, uh, um, which was interesting because kind of thinking about it, when you look at genre and Metcalf, you've got two players who are relying on bench minutes, but are in better leagues compared mm. to Bacchus and Devlin, who are mainstays and really form players for their clubs, but Isn't playing Metcalf in weaker leagues. What's that? Is Metcalf in a better league, but? Well, well the, the, the two Bundesliga compared with Scotland, I, I think from a technicality point of, spe- mm. point of view, yes. Yeah. But here's, here's the thing. We're playing defensive, and what's the one thing the soccer is always known for? It's physicality. Scotland, a much better place to be playing your minutes, especially playing 90 minutes from a physicality point of view, from a defensive yeah. point of view. These guys are playing for St. Mirren and, and uh, Hearts, uh, yes. Devlin with Hearts. Yeah, you're getting and you by Celtic like and Rangers. You've got to play that defensive game. You've got to play the physical game. It's exactly what we actually need. So the more I think about it, the more I'm like, yeah, okay, that that, that is actually exactly where Arnie's thinking. And it's it's the right decision, isn't it? But I think but I think what Arnie's thinking is is I don't I don't really care if you're in a better league. I need guys who are in form and playing every, you know, every minute. 
that's that like exactly. that's what I got from that selection, right? Um, in particular in midfield, because I, I I just think he needs guys in that midfield, like we said, who are gonna you know, there's obviously the shielding thing as well, but then who are obviously gonna be confident as well to in those counterattacking moments that Australia might have. Okay, we need to progress the ball forward, and we need to we need to go the other way. Um, I would just on the midfield selection, just thinking there. But would you consider a, you know, a double six? kind of pivot of Devlin and Bacchus and actually have Moyers like this roaming 10? I don't know. Is that is that something that you could consider? I it's, think, it's... I think, yeah. think Irvine's going to be, he'll be one of the two sixes if it comes yeah. to two sixes. I feel like you could, on the big stage, you'll be too tough to go with Devlin or Bacchus. Yeah. Mm. I think experience will play a big part in that. And I just think Irvine just, at the moment, when we talk about form, he's one of the form players in this team. I think will be too hard to leave him out. Yeah. And also, you don't want to be inviting. Okay, it's good to have someone to shield the back line, but you don't want to set up in the way that you invite that pressure. And I think someone like Irvine, as Dylan said, he can play as a six, but he can also progress, like you said, with confidence. Mm. He can be more of like that eight that connects the back to the front mm. with that 10 in front of him. So I definitely think will be... Uh, for me, it would be one of Devlin or Bacchus alongside Irvine, and then 10 is up to your choice, I guess. Yeah, well, speaking of 10, um, the other big omission, that's uh, big omission part three, Tom Rogic, not in the squad at all. Um, kind of similar to Sainsbury, I guess. Was it? Was anyone shocked, like really shocked by this? I think when you give it more thought, you understand that Rogic isn't actually in that starting midfield anymore. When you when you look at the the sort mm. of the, the triangular shape that sets up with with Rustic, Moy, and Irvine, Rogic has been ousted by Rustic, right? He's yeah. he's not as much of that of that playmaker as, as what he as what he used to be. And we're not as reliant on him as a team, right? Because of the emergence of Aiden Rustic. So when you consider that he wasn't starting and he wasn't going to be coming off the bench as an experienced player with minutes, his omission actually makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. And it's he hasn't it hasn't helped him either that he pulled out from those qualifying games and it took him a while to get a club as well. And like you he said, maybe last World Cup when he is our savior, you yeah. bypass that. But this time yeah. around, as you said, you're not as reliant. And going from what Graham Arno has said, and you know, when you drop your own son-in-law, you're going to be a victim as well. You know, there's no exa- exception. He's actually identical, Antonis, he's actually identical to Langrak in that sense, in that there was personal reasons and needing to pull out of the team. I mean, what, what do Langrak and Rogic have in common in that they've both actively had to, for personal reasons, pull out of the team? Nothing against that, but it, it, it definitely mm. helps to omit you from the team in that kind of scenario, right? So I think that but that also plays into it Le- less so because, you know, he's not as a contentious miss, really, but that does play into it, doesn't it? Yeah, I think the contentious part is the general Australian football fan still views Tom Rogic as our best player. But as you said, we've, I think we've moved past that. But but haven't we, well, that's what I mean. Like, don't we think, don't we think even just Rogic looking at his Socceroos career, I mean, can't can't we argue that he has underwhelmed, you know, like obviously he's had, he has had good moments and stuff. And this is, this isn't based, this decision isn't based on his performances for Socceroos in the past. uh, I don't think at all, but you know, I think I think we're moving on, right? I think it's like yeah. you know we kind of we need new blood in there. We need something different with Rustich, um, and you know I think you can experiment with that going into the storm. If I were to, if I were to look back on the qualifying campaign, um, and if I were to look back on the last few years, really, I think there's there's two things that sort of pop into mind. 
the entire qualifying game, he didn't do anything of note other than score against Vietnam, which I think is fair to say. Mm. And if I were to think on really, really amazing Tom Rogic performances, I'm literally going as far back as the Confederations Cup against yeah. Germany when yeah. he was our one really bright spark. That was five years ago. Mm. So and I think, yeah. yeah, I think it's with his career as well. He's he was at Celtic for so long, and I think we're all waiting year by year when's he gonna make that move. And it just feels like it never came, and it just felt like Tom Rogic has just remained as the Tom Rogic we knew. It's just remaining in that vicinity, the type of player. He hasn't gone up, he hasn't gone down, and now we're seeing him deteriorate from what we expected. And I think, like you said, it's just time to move on and accept. As you said, he realistically, he is not in that starting midfield. Speaking of that number 10 role, though, Krustic does come in with a little bit of a fitness concern. Um, I, I think we do hope, though, that he is going to be fit for, for that first game against France. But that is something to monitor there as well. Um, all right. Any other, uh, just any other thoughts? With him, yep, apparently, yep. he's getting some game time this week. One more game. Yep, he's yep. coming back that, and playing Arnold a game did for say Verona, that in the press conference today. Fantastic. Yep. Yes. So, um, hopefully, let's just say, hypothetically, Hustich maybe doesn't pull up too well this weekend. They, they rushed him in a little bit early. Mm. If we're looking at the backup to Hustich's role in this current moment, forget about history, forget about how, what, what, it's Riley McGree. For um, the soccer um, is. Who would you take in this current climate? Would you take Rosic as a backup or would you take Riley McGree? McGree. 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 Yeah. Well, going back to that physicality that Christian talked about, when you're playing against those sides that will try and steamroll you in the midfield, someone like McGree that is close to his physical peak, I guess, that is playing in more regularly than Rogic, I guess, in the championship where he is that battering, bruising league, I reckon he's primed for this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I agree. I think I think as well. Just typically, Rogic is more of a what you'd call a luxury player. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. he's not someone that's going to really work for the team. And in these games, as we as we've spoken about, when we're not going to have the ball too much, I just think it's it's not going to work at all. His his role in the team, whereas as you said, McGreece, he's almost at his you know physical peak. He's a hardworking player, so yeah. yeah, I think it's a good pick by Arnold. Therese yeah. is a good point there because we Rogers' the best footballer probably has come at Celtic, where we've got to be honest, Celtic has been the dominant is the dominant team in Scotland. But then when it comes to Socceroos, we go, okay, why can't he translate that form over there? Is it because when he comes to the Socceroos, suddenly he's not in a side that's just expected to go into every game? Well, that that that's what I was thinking, right? And I think I think you probably saw the best of him in moments though still under Ange. And probably because and plays a system that suits him more because the team wants to be on the front foot and he can, you know, use those use those um, moments of flair that he possesses mm-hmm. to to unlock defenses. Whereas we know Arnold was a bit more pragmatic. And, you know, even though then again, you know, and I was actually literally just thinking about this when Dylan was talking. You know, you think about Arnold's, you know, Sydney FC teams. I mean, Milos Ninkovic was unbelievable in those teams, and he's a player of a similar mold. So you know, it's not like Arnold can't get the best out of luxury players, right? But maybe he is, yeah. You know, yeah. He is playing differently with the Socceroos than he is with Sydney FC, which yeah, I find yeah. fascinating. Yeah, 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 yeah. Of course, of course. There's all that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Dylan, yeah. yeah. And yeah, that. Well, I was going to say the exact same thing as Antonis that Sydney FC was a side that dominated for so long, dominated the ball, had possession, whereas the Socceroos, as we spoke about, it's not going to be a side like that. So. Mm. It's where a different type of player will come into that role. Absolutely. All right. Uh, Antonis, anything to add there? 
But that's it. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to wrap up. My point was just play one natural six at least. Other than that, in the midfield, I think Irvine partners at six. And then if you want to go Krustic or McGree, I'm happy. Cody? One thing I want to um, point I actually want to bring up, more of a question actually. We talk about Joel King being selected more as that legacy, giving him the experience because there is a chance he's going to be our starting left back moving forward. If we look at Roger where he is now compared to where um oh, not yeah, Roger where he is now, what he's achieved in his career, and look at where McGree is at this stage of his career and where it could head, would we would you say McGree's ceiling is higher than where Roger achieved in his career? Fuck, because he's question. with Middlesbrough? Yes. Mm. I think because he's showed the willingness to get out of his comfort zone and make mm. that move. And I think he's still looking at that. As I said with Rogic, I feel like for a few years we kept looking, oh, is he going to make that move? He's going to make that move. And it just never came. And now when he came, we're all like, wait, now really? And he's there. Now you go. With McGree, he struggled at Birmingham at the beginning. Then he became the best player genuinely for those couple of mm. months before he left. He was the best player. And he moved to Middlesbrough. And again, he's had his growing pains there. He still has them. But I feel, yeah, like Matt told us, that I feel that he does have the highest ceiling. He's going the right direction. Yeah, just, Antonis, the uh, Rogic didn't choose to to leave Celtic of his own admission. That that was that was very much a case of him being, yep. being ousted by other players. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and also... And let, like, let's not forget I, as I, well, I, let's not forget that Rogic actually had a pretty strong rejuvenation period under Ange um, mm-hmm. there for, for a period where before Ange came in, it actually did kind of seem, particularly under Neil Lennon, who was the previous manager like Rogic was like, this is it, you know, he's just going to go, um, which did happen, you know, like 18 months later, but um, yeah. he did have a little yeah. period there where, where he was playing quite well. But yeah, Matt, yeah. Mm-hmm. I was just going to say, I'm, I'm actually pretty sure that, that one thing that's been overlooked particularly with 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 Rogic I think when he spoke about personal reasons that something was, mm. was really going on there yeah. um whether it be about with sort of uh, okay maybe I'm, I'm getting a bit a little, a little too conspiratorial but he could have genuinely had some kind of bout with with depression or something like that but yeah. we don't we don't know yeah. and I think if that played into it that gives it a lot more context as well because yeah. he did mention it was personal reasons that he was he was leaving. Regardless, it's just good to see him back on the pitch, yeah. playing for West Brom. He contributed the other yeah. day. It's going to take time, but it's just good to see him back out because for a while, I think even Graham Arnold wasn't sure what was going on there. And that's when you start worrying when someone in that position is as much in the dark as us. So it's just good to see him back on the pitch, forgetting about the World Cup squad for a second. Absolutely. All right. Um, let's take a little bit of a break because we have been talking for quite a while. And uh, when we come back, we're um, we're definitely going to be talking about a uh, another number ten, um, a younger one um, who's uh, who's who's rejected a spot in the Socceroos. But anyway, um, let's let's take a quick break. Okay. So that player I was obviously talking about before the break uh, goes by the name of Christian Volpati. You might have heard of him um, before, but. Uh, so, Graham Arnold confirmed in the press conference today that he spoke to him three times yesterday um, about uh, his place in the squad, which he had he had put him in the squad. Um, but but Volpato, after discussing with his, um, I guess, party, uh, decided to decline his spot in the squad. So, what's our take on the Volpato situation now? To me, it seems like he, he's pretty much done in terms of Australia for now, anyway, uh, and will attempt to continue at the rate he's going out with Roma and potentially 
get an Italy call up down the line. Um, what what what's our take on this? I just think it's very overblown as a talking point. There's two there's two points I want to make on this before I let you guys take it away because I think I think you guys will comment on this better than I will. But I will say this: it's absolute fodder for the Euro snobs in the Optus Sports comment section, which grinds my gears. The second point being that, and many many people have made this point, the pride of the jersey. All right, especially with all the centenary talk, this means this means so so much. If you are declining the honor to represent your country, you can get fucked. That's all I, I want to say. I agree. I, I was going to say that as well. I think if if you don't if you don't want to play for the country you were born in, I just think there's no point in even bothering selecting him. I think no matter how good a player is, if you don't want to be there representing the country, then don't even worry about. They shouldn't even select him. Cristiano Ronaldo's grandparents live in Perth, all right? You, the, 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 best, the best player in the world could have been offered that kid, and if they say no, they can get fucked. <laughs> we yeah, still don't nah. have a Perth player in the squad. The funny oh. thing is, it's sort of like Ronaldo's grandparents living in Perth. When they moved over, he was actually meant to come with them, so that's a good to fair chance. Imagine Ronaldo I remember, I remember watching a feature. Stuff. I remember watching a feature on the news about it at the time and thinking, oh, he's just going to go to victory or one of those big clubs or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Because it was... It was no, well, anyway, yeah, no, I think I think the A League would have just been around at the time. I think, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Well, no, no, I totally, I totally, I totally agree. Um, I think um, picking up, yeah, picking up on Ronaldo is yeah. you'd hope the system wouldn't fail him if he came over here because um, <laughs> oh, with Volpato, he was. We say that, and I know people progress at different times and different levels, and you went your body changes different times. I don't know what he looked like when he was in those A League academies. But he went over to Europe. He went over to mm. Europe, and you know, Roma's seen something. Roma's made it work, and it's not just a youth team now. He's actually in the main team, and actually, Jose Mourinho is giving him minutes, which is impressive. But I, go, I it's exactly what you're saying. You offer him the position. What I didn't like is Graham Arnold said he called him three times or something. Don't call him three times. Tell yeah, him it's your spot. This is the deadline. Answer it. He doesn't want I feel it. like the media yeah. the media really expected yeah. something from Arnie and he felt a lot of pressure from that. Yeah. To, to make it out like you're simping for the guy. I mean that's, yeah. that's pretty harsh. <laughs> but like I yeah, if I were Arnie, I would have been I would have been more firm about that. But yeah, the media need their story, man. They need their big yeah. story. And I understand that, but again, we have to remember he is a kid. It takes a lot of guts to be told, here is your football dream, you can go to the World Cup, and you say Actually, now I'm going to bet on myself. You'd hope that doesn't come back to bite him. And for me, I hope. But I think. But I think. Yeah. Hang on. I, you, I don't know. I don't know if we know yet at this stage, though, whether this is. Is it really? No thanks. I'm going to really try. Yeah, for Italy, no, or is that, this no that's thanks? That's where I was going. You know, that's where I was fuck going. You. Like I don't know. Like you, you don't understand what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, because he said that he's still considering his options. He obviously has his heart set on Italy. I hope. He never represents the Socceroos because something will have to go wrong. I hope he gets represented in Italy, has a great career, because if he comes back and eventually he represents the Socceroos, it means he missed out on such a big opportunity. And I'm sure it's something that will follow him forever, you know, because as Matt told us, it has become such a big storyline because the media does want his story. But he's, remember, he's a kid, all the best for him. Hope he doesn't represent the Socceroos. I hope all the best for him, but time will tell. But even if that theory was to play out and he does end up representing the Socceroos, do we really want someone that's using us as a second choice? It's like, oh, yeah, if I don't go to mm. Italy, I'm just going to go and play for the Socceroos. Like, do we really want someone that's just got that mentality in, in the shirt, in the jersey? 
That's not what it. That's no, not what no, it exactly. Like. You're you're talking about someone who actively disrespects what what that badge means, and it. it I'm gonna actually. Oh, I'm, I'm, it actually makes me really furious. I just need because anyway, right. I'm the teacher here, and I want to remind you that he is basically still a child, and these these kids do a lot of things that really, really, really upset you. You never know, you know. After a few years, and he's on the he's in the top of the world right now. And spoiler alert, he's going to be metaphorically punched in the face. It's not easy. It's not easy. And he's no, going no, to no. deal with a lot of things. I, so I get there's that. A lot I get to that. play out. There's a lot to play out. Mm. And at the end of the day, trust me, if he ends up being a very good footballer, because it takes a lot to represent Italy. Let's not forget that. If he ends up being a very good footballer and the coach says, you know what, we could really use him. And he feels like, you know, I could really use that. Even if people are upset, which I don't think there will be some maybe, but years down the line, they may not be. I think if those two parties come together and say, we can help you, can you help us? I can see him representing the Socceroos. I don't want that to happen. The kids made his choice. I wish him all the best, but you never know. I'm still keeping that door open, which it sounds like all parties keeping that door open too. So okay. what, he's what, also, uh, he's what, not um, the first case yeah, of this yeah. historically. We also have Simonich who did, he did a Zedon Spremni chant, which is very awkward. And uh, we also had um, Lyndon Dykes, who is obviously um, in the picture for Scotland and scoring goals for fun for Scotland in the Nations League, right? So there are cases of this, of players declining. And I don't think the community as a whole treats Lyndon Dykes or, or at the time anyway, because we're, we're going back a few decades. We didn't treat Simonich particularly poorly at the time either. So there's, there's, so here's why I think but here's why I think that's the case. Garen Qualls in the squad, there's one potential generational wonder kid that we've got. Hang on. Shit. Volpato, we can get a second one here. You know what I mean? It's it, it this this for me is coming a little bit out of desperation and 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 greed for for we need like like let's get these talents in, you know, we can't miss out on this because it's gonna be the end of the world. But the reality is is that kind of mentality is is bullshit in my opinion honestly like the, the mentality yeah. needs to be look it would be great to get this guy be great to get this guy and we'll try and get him if we can fantastic if he can represent mm-hmm. us fantastic he's got a lot of potential but if we can't who's next yeah who's next I, who's coming yeah. through that's what I we need to turn to there, instead but i don't think it's because oh it's a shiny new toy he's genuinely scoring playing for roma he scored for roma no no, no no but that's what oh, i mean so, no, that's yeah. why he's a shiny yeah, yeah, new yeah. toy antonis yeah yeah, Jose Mourinho has said this kid, and Jose Mourinho, who's been very tough on young players throughout his career, let's not forget. Has well, he said, slammed him for his defensive, his defensive yeah, abilities. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're going to cop that. That's back where I said you're going to cop these blows. Yeah. He, you're going to cop that, but he obviously sees something. And I'll, I'll go back to Matt's point that previous players have not been treated hard or harshly it's a different time now with social media as you said matt media wants their stories optus wants 600 comments in our comment section just slamming him and it's just a hard one to recover because these days you something happens people remember i, I don't know if you remember when daniel azani first broke in with all those facebook posts that were uncovered when he was 12 you know these things don't disappear as easily these mm. days rather than when someone just made a random comment, oh, look, like, look at this idiot, how he's treating us, and it just disappears. These things are here to stay. So it's very important that we remember that and remember that we might be, get to a point where these sides decide to take each other's help up. Look, yeah. One thing I do want to say, you did make that point, Antonis, he's just a kid. This kid's 18 years old. It could be a life-changing decision for him. And if it is genuinely a thing of 
he's torn at the moment because one other aspect that I don't think we take into a lot of consideration, when you do have the likes of Jose Mourinho and Francesco Totti in your ear telling you to do one thing and then you've got a whole country behind you well, kind of trying to force you to do the other, it can kind of play in your mind a little bit. But we also got to remember the fact, we're talking about the soccer here, we're talking about our senior national side. If we are still trying to treat him like a kid, should he be in the Socceroos? At the end of the day, we need people that are mature. We need people that are men. One thing everyone talks about with Grant Wall is you can see the maturity come out of him every time he talks to someone, every time he's on the pitch. If Volpato doesn't have that, I think we do have the question whether he is ready for the Socceroos, no matter how well he is playing. Well, I'd, say, I'd argue he has that if he's starting for Roma, because we're making that judgment now of a Snapchat, which I think if I was to judge the Snapchat kids are sending these days... Or and I assume all these kids, even if we check around Quo's Snapchat history, I reckon we could make an argument against it. Yeah, well, look, we're talking about what kids are sending these days. That was even if Tony Bash did come out and say it wasn't a direct dig at the soccer is and it was taken out of context, there would probably have been something in there that was like, hey, look, look at these guys. I, I'm but, sure it was I'm a sure big, I'm sure. Was just, like it was, Antonis, it was, Cody, yeah. guys, we're in our early to mid-20s. We can't be saying that publicly. <laughs> there part? are a lot of people much older than us who could say that kind of thing about us. So what are we, what are we talking part? about kids Wait. these days? Oh, kids these days. Yeah, yeah, I'm saying that was 100%. <laughs> that was 100% a knock at the Socceroos. And, you know, I'm sure he would take that back if he had his time too. But I'm sure all of us can have a think about what we did when we were X amount of age and how that would reflect on us. And that's the only reason why I wouldn't exactly close the door on having him play for Socceroos. But at this moment in time, if he is not ready to 100% respect Jersey, then this isn't the time to call him up. Don't get me wrong. Not losing any sleep over it. Absolutely not. Can I can I just ask something? It, the way I look at this is, do we think that because obviously Qual and Volpato they're two players of similar position. I'm going to ask you guys a question. Do you guys think that Qual that Volpato is a better player than Qual? Because personally, I don't. I, I think, think they're a little different. I, so. I think they're a little different. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think, think I think, think Grant's more of a comparison. more of a more of an out and out winger, whereas Volpato seems to be. Like a like a Robic type player. number ten, um, more more like a number ten. Anyway, yeah. Dylan Dylan does make a good point there though. Yeah. What if Garan Qual goes on to become an absolute star for Newcastle? Then, like the Volpato conversation, it's it's less as dramatic mm, in terms absolutely. of the star playing for a big European club. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Because so, we always put the alley down. It's like, oh yeah, we're a step below. We're European. Volpato's doing his business in Roma. Garan Qual's doing mm-hmm. his business in the A League. Let's just say they took a different career path, and it was Grant Qual that got that move to Europe, and Volpato's trying to cut his teeth in the A-League. They're probably mm-hmm. at the same ability. Just that one's doing it on one stage, one's doing it on the other, and we hold this stage in much higher regard. Mm-hmm. And that might be well having the conversation. And let's not forget that even though he's doing all this stuff at Roma, all his development, Volpato's development, has been here in Australia. So you can't tell me the system is completely broken because this is where he got his education. I'm going to ask mm-hmm. you a question now because we did hear Graham Arnold offered him the Socceroos spot. If he decided to say yes from this team, who would be out? Backus. For a defensive mid? I'd say Hrustich. I'd say like for like. Hrustich? Yeah. That's a massive call. That's a hot take. Oh, my God. That's a really big thing. That's a big I don't think Qual, but I think it would have been tough for Arnold to pick two as we said, kids in this squad. I think, I think, I just... um, 
Maybe Duke. One, isn't it? Maybe Duke. No, no I don't he, like, would, like, he wouldn't let leave Rachel Duke out. Stop it. No, no, no. He would, can't send I, only I, two I strikers. I don't know. You can't send only two strikers. It's that, an that's, interesting that's one. It's, and we're probably all wrong. It could be, um, like we said, Bacchus, but it just came into my head a few hours ago. Like, it's very interesting. I wonder who hmm. is on the plane because this kid has you know this dream. Can I just actually speak to something really important that you've raised? Yeah. Him coming into the team, you talk about the omissions, but also when Volpato fitting into that team, let's let's paint a hypothetical scenario where he's in the 11 automatically because he's Volpato when he's playing for Roma, which is absurd. But let's say that happens, right? Can you imagine him out of nowhere with some of the disrespect and the arrogance he's got for his age, him trying to gel with someone like Jackson Irvine who would die for the shirt? I think that's a that's a disaster waiting to happen. And the fact that Arnold actually like was down on his knees begging Volpato, I think it, it paints a bad picture because Volpato wouldn't have bought into the team chemistry at all, even if he chose to go. Uh, I think yeah, but do we have to do we have point. to be careful? Yeah. Just, sorry, Antonio. Yeah. Matt, yeah. do you have yeah. to be careful here with look, I understand what you're saying, like, you know, maybe yeah, you can get fucks, disrespect the badge and stuff. And and I guess maybe that comes from well, if Arnold's called you three times, he's showing you how how much he wants you, you know, reciprocate it, right? Maybe that's where that comes from. But at, at the same, at the same, you know, token, maybe Arnold called him the first time and, and Volpato was like, yeah, nah, you know, um, I want to pursue, you know, Italy and, and you know, I'm going to decline the option. And maybe Arnold just didn't get the message and he just kept calling. Like, I don't know. Is it, is it, I think, I think we're, I think we're, Potentially running to conclude, rushing to conclusions that he's, you know, he's an arrogant, you know, spoiled little brat because we saw one snap. Just, like, like yeah. that, that's kind of what I'm it's saying. It's all coming from that snap. It's all coming from. It's all because it's one snap That's what I'm saying. Yeah, like, but like, I want to say with these conversations that he sat with Arnold, there's he said they've all been cordial. He he respects him. Here they respect each other. It's obviously not being. I pick up the phone. And says me for the Socceroos. No, thank you. Yeah, he obviously like, respects the phone down. this. <laughs> he's smart enough to keep the door open what matt said because of that snapchat a few players may have been rubbed the wrong way and fair enough i do believe that as we said earlier as we said earlier in the podcast though even though a few players may have that i guess thought that oh he's this arrogant prick that's going to come in i will give the benefit of that to the group that they're doing this for their country and if their coach thinks this is what they should be doing they try their best welcoming him in. I would not even imagine him starting. I think he'd be more of the Azani last World Cup role, come on and try and do something magical. Mm. But yeah, it's not a situation that we have to deal with, thankfully. Yeah, yeah. So just on that, do we think Garan Kowal's role is going to be like that at this World Cup? Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't think he's going to start. No. Nah. He yeah. doesn't start for no, the Mariners. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. No, no, no. no, no, no. Sorry, sorry. Hang on, hang on. Let me, let me rephrase that. Let me rephrase that. Is Garan Kowal like getting like 10, 15 off the bench or is he getting like 30 off the bench? Like, like you know, that because that, that is a big just, difference. I just there. hope it isn't a direct comparison with what happened because if you remember, BVM brought on Azani by the time we were already knocked out of the World Cup. We were 2-0 down mm. to Peru and he goes, oh, here's this big point of difference. It was the same with Tim Cahill, actually. No, no, no. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Azani came on in the Denmark game and he almost, and he almost you know, provided a winner. Are you forgetting that? I, I, I was probably getting it conflated with yeah. Tim Cahill, but I know that Arzani yeah. and Cahill were brought on at the same time. Yeah, in that in that 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 was Peru, but, but 
But sorry, the eye-opening stuff was was the game before against Denmark, where Australia yeah, was a better yeah, team. Yeah, yeah. Uh, right, and, right. I can see, I can see that I may yeah. have conflated him. With yeah, no, that's all right. Yeah. In that regard, that that, that is yeah. historically, you know, my, my bad. But if you're going to bring Paul on, you know, make sure you bring him on when there's there's actually a point to prove. But even even within the actual mm-hmm. game itself, if it's a, if it's a game where we're down by two goals, don't do that. Do, do do it when it's when it's in the mix. Do it when it's you know one one nil nil. Um, one thing, one that's thing, I want to those players to make an impact. One thing I'd want to say, instead of saying, yeah, look, by this certain stage in the game, that's when we want to bring him on. The one thing that pissed me off of Van Marwijk was every single game, he started the same 11, except for when Naboo got his injury and he brought on the same subs. You could tell he had no faith in the rest of the squad. He had his idea that he... Uh, I wouldn't really say wanted... individually, I wouldn't say it was that he had a lack of faith. It was that he was very determined on who he wanted and how he thought the team... And could... the, other thing, the other thing with Bert, though, is that he came in five minutes before the World Cup started and it's a bit hard to actually yeah. make a whole plan. All the more reason to stick to your preferred team, yeah. by the way. Yeah, it's going off little ultra safety. And Graham Arnold has had this job for a while now. I'd be very disappointed if he copies and pastes the same thing three yeah, times. Look, that's, what yeah, yeah. That's, that's what I was trying to say. Because uh, there was a reason why I brought up 2018 World Cup on something about 2022 World Cup. But one thing I don't want to say from Arnold is for him to make the exact same decisions every single game. Whatever the game calls for. If one game we need call on for the last 10 minutes just to chase a game, go for it. If there's a game where he can make an impact from halftime, go for it. But, don't yeah. do the same thing each time. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But going yep. from game one to game two, they're two completely different games. And even the way we set up and even arguably the lineups should be different compared to going out against France, preparing to be bombarded for 90 minutes, or against Tunisia where you got a very real chance of winning your first World Cup game in a long, long time. 12 years exactly so you should be going out there against Tunisia to properly win it even though I think we were talking about today they've had a bit longer in the camp together conditions may suit the most but you should be going out there against Tunisia and saying we can beat you in a match of football uh, I'm I'm wary of how maybe people talking about Tunisia because this was kind of I felt like this was how we're talking about Peru heading into 2018 and we saw how actually good that team was even in in 2014 we showed Chile disrespect if you can we always look at the pot three team and point the finger don't 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 underestimate one region yeah yeah there is one region in the world other than Australia and Oceania that's disrespected North Africa is Mm -hmm. the second Mm -hmm. most disrespected Mm -hmm. football you you can't walk in there disrespecting them but at the same time you've got to walk in there and say you know what we are going to take the game to these people because the worst thing is you exit that game. You might not have, you might have a draw. You may have a loss. The worst thing is feeling we didn't even take the game to them. And you have to wait another four years and hope that game may come. So I don't want to die wondering. You're talking about taking the game to teams. We have nothing to lose in this World Cup. No one outside of Australia has any inkling that we're I would, I would actually group. argue, though, Take I would it. actually argue we do have something to lose, and it's Christian's exact point. If we disrespect Tunisia like we disrespected Jordan in 2019, how do you think that's going to look? I'm like? not talking about disrespecting teams, but I'm talking playing a bit more on the front foot and taking games to the team. We're talking about sitting back against France. So, so here's how I do see we, that. If we've got nothing yeah. to lose, do we maybe take the game to the teams like that as well? Yeah. So we so, can... Couple things, couple things. If Arnold's going with a more youthful, exuberant squad, then I, I want to see youthful and exuberant players out on the pitch, right? That, there's that number one. Number two is, if this is going to be a little bit... Obviously, look, it's about results. We've got to win. We'll try and win as much as possible, you know, which is going to be difficult. We know that. But, you know, second to that is, okay, that's going to be difficult. We know that. Then let's let's try and come out of this with a sense of we've actually given a lot of these young guys 
um, 17 of them, 17 of them who are going to their first World Cup, um, you know, and we've given them a sense of actually, hey, in four years' time, we'll be prepared or for the Asian Cup, we'll be prepared, whatever, right? So remember what was so, you know, key about Ange in 2014 was, you know, he actually used that as this is the vehicle that we're going to use to then go and win the Asian Cup. It's not really about, of course, we want to try and get through, but it's actually about setting ourselves up a little bit as well. Now, that's why it's a little bit strange in terms of the timeline because there seems to be this feeling that Arnold is kind of like maybe on thin ice, I don't know, with this World Cup, like he has to kind of do well, but then at the same time, he's picked a squad which tends to point to the future. So we're going to see how this plays out, but I really want to see, like, I really want to see Devlin and the Baxters trusted, the McGrees, mm-hmm. the the Kowals, like, you know, trust them, trust them. And if they make mistakes and we lose, so be it. But the the reward is is astronomical. Because let's not also mm-hmm. forget about World Cups is that the, the transfers that can follow from World Cups and that if players do well and they put themselves in the shop window, uh, you know, and and the benefits of that, that that always is the case. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, Antonis. And we saw that from just an A the A League All Stars game, which was what propelled Qual to the side. So World Cup is even bigger. Very pleasing to see Arnold select such a young side. When with you said, for me, I don't think he'll be coaching after the World Cup. So it's good to see him taking care of that side. But I'll go back to that. Like you said, if you're going to pick a squad like that play like that and it's something that this coach hasn't shown he's too comfortable with i don't know if he'll be comfortable with it in this situation i'm not saying go all guns blazing no look against france there. against france i get yeah. it no, you no, know no. if you want yeah, to yeah, sit yeah. in be pragmatic be prepared to land a blow you know hmm. that's why i want to see i just want to see some willingness to leave a mark on them it's, because it's... they're mortal they're the world champions but they're mortal yeah, yeah, that's right. Fair enough. I just, just wanted to make a quick point. It's not not so much on the squad per se, but do you think that our experience and the fact that, you know, post-2011 Asian Cup, we're undefeated in Qatar, do you think that that actually has any effect on how we can perform? Given the air conditioning stadiums, given a lot of the conditioning mm. being out of whack, it was one of the reasons why Peru played so badly. It'll, does it help it'll us impact our ability to perform. I think it'll be a positive for us. Mm. Whether it means we go and win every game, that's a different story. That's a different kettle of fish. But... I think France and Denmark, especially those two, because they're definitely not going to have faced conditions like this before. No, but I feel like they'll condition for it a lot better than Peru did, to be be honest. Would they be? I I think so. I think they're smart enough. Peru Mm. literally went and played a friendly in Spain because they wanted to avoid being in Qatar for that long. France and Denmark will have a much more open mindset about what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I have to agree with that, to be honest. Um, Okay. So striker, striker is a big is a big discussion point as well. Mischuke, Jason Cummings, and Jamie McLaren are the three that have been selected. So we mentioned Taggart before. Is everyone in agreement that Taggart being excluded was the right choice? I think if you're looking at uh, the four players, Mitch Duke offers too much as a veteran presence and a lot more experience in Asia. Cumdog, again, his experience in Europe playing against big, <laughs> Sorry, big I was European not Sorry, I should have said Cummins. I don't, I don't actually know that it's that unprofessional. Everyone, so it's Dingo. his nickname. It's his nickname. No, I was Cum, just, no, 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 I'm not saying that. I just was expecting you to call him Jason Cummings. Then you came out and said yeah, Cumdog. That's why yeah, I was fine. And I said Cumdog. Anyway, yeah. Fair yeah. enough. 
but but his experience in sort of big European situations, for, forgive me if I'm wrong, but throughout his career, I mean, he's played big games in Europe, right? Whether it be the Scottish Cup final or whether it be the odd Europa League tie. I don't know if he's actually played in any of those competitions, but the point is that important, it's important against a France or a Denmark. And then that for me, in who you omit out of the four, it becomes between McLaren and Taggart. Here's why Taggart gets dropped. McLaren, okay, he's only scoring goals in the A-League, but he is scoring a shit ton of goals, right? Taggart shit is ton of penalties, playing at yeah, a higher yeah. level, but not... <laughs> yeah. Well, all right. But 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 he... But, but just hold on, hold on, hold on. I understand Jamie that that's a very valid, a very, very valid criticism of Jamie McLaren is that he's only I'm attacking just being and that he only scores at this low level. No, 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 no. You, this is exactly the point, though. Taggart plays at a higher level, but it's not that much of a higher level, and he doesn't score goals at anywhere near as prolific of a rate. So if you're putting two and two together, you still probably have to take McLaren in that he has the confidence from finding the back of the net, even if he's finding the back of the net at a low level, right? Taggart, less so not at, at a high enough level. It's not like he's playing in, in the championship or in Liga Dor or something like that. He's, he's only playing, you know, in, in Japan, right? So, and, and in South Korea previously to that. So I just think that, that on the merit of that alone and the fact that Taggart actually played in 2014, two World Cup cycles ago, he's not that much of a spring chicken either. So you just can't justify it. And there's the element of the fact that Taggart is being linked to Perth, right? So if he's going that far back in his development, McLaren is the better choice. Yeah, yep. And I think with Duke, so you see this with a couple of selections in the squad. I think what Arnold's tried to do is just have different different um, types of players. So I think with Duke, it's a bit more, here's an option that we've got where, you know, in the, in the instance that we can basically, you know, just throw some balls into the box and, and kind of just have him kind of, you know, throwing his presence around a little bit. Then you've got Goodwin, who's a bit more set piece based. And then you've got Kowal, who's a bit more of the, here's the excitement machine, giving the ball one V ones and just kind of go for it. So there's like these different elements and these different things, which the players can, can offer. So I think that's why he's gone with him there. The thing about McLaren, which, now, obviously, we know he's, he's very quick and he can offer a threat on a counter-attacking point of view for, for Australia, let's say, against France. But, you know, he's played in a City team which has been very dominant in possession and he, he, he always gets service, right? You know, so, but going into this team where that's not going to be so much of a guarantee, I, I don't know how that's going to play out necessarily, if, if he, depending on how, much, how many minutes he actually gets, of course. Yeah, and another question is, as a number nine, how much are you doing off the ball? How much are you doing tracking back and having that chemistry with your team that way? It's the one thing that Mitchell Duke actually offers really well. He can do a lot off the ball and he can be a real veteran presence. Well, McLaren can certainly guys. press. That, that, yeah, that, there's yeah, no, no doubt about that. I know, I know. Yeah. But say, for example, you've got Paul on the wing next year. You want you want that veteran presence to be able to guide you when you're when you're playing off the ball, and when you're playing more defensively, tracking back. I think that's something where Duke and a combination like that can, can weirdly work well. I think McLaren doesn't offer as much off the ball but but you're right. He he, he can press. I, I just more or less mean. But again, it goes back to style. It goes back to style and how we want to approach games. And again, that and it goes with familiarity. Obviously, Duke is familiar with Graham Arnold and vice mm. versa. And as you said, with how you want to play with these games, the majority of the time we will be threatening off set pieces or crosses. Mitchell Duke's there. You've got someone like Goodwin there to deliver as well when he's on. I, for me, I think I feel like he's going to start Duke in all three games. I would like to see a lot of comings, though. I, like you said, I don't know if Jamie McLaren really fits what we're trying to do here, but like you said, his form 
is just undeniable. Just like Cummings, who has basically played himself in this position, I would like to see a bit of Cummings, though. But I do feel like Arnold's going to play a lot of Mitchell Duke. I'd be shocked if I see anyone else but Duke start. I, th- I think Cummings is going to be more of a impact player off the bench to come on mm. with the ball. Okay. See, I disagree. Uh, like, I-, I disagree with using him like that. But uh, go on, Dylan. Yeah. I, yeah. I would disagree with that as well. But I yeah. think just with you look at McLaren and Duke and they're just two totally different strikers and Cummings is just kind of in between them. Okay, so, so Dylan, say, Dylan, who do you start against France? I would start Duke. Duke against France where we're not touching the ball, where we're looking for anything off set pieces, we're looking for any second balls, Duke's your man. And as he said in his own words, he's just he's going to try and be as much of a pest as he can against the central defenders. And I think that's exactly what you want. You want someone that's going to try and put them off. And I think in that game, especially, Duke will be probably one of the most important players for that game. Sorry, just to to confirm something as well um, on on Matt was saying before, I've just been cheating a little bit um, whilst you guys have been talking. And Jason Cummings did play two games for Hibernian in Europa League qualifying in 2016-17. So he did have a couple of uh, forays into Europe. Speaking of him, one thing that I would like to see is if and when the game is not going our way and when you want to introduce something different other than Mitchell Duke is when you sub on a Cummings or a McLaren is to actually play to their strengths. Because I remember the Japan qualifier game in Sydney where we had Mitchell Duke on, we're pumping long balls to him. Then we subbed on Bruno and we subbed on Jamie McLaren. And we continue doing the same thing to two players that are not well suited. At yeah, that, that was a bit of all. a that was a bit of a you know like kind of yeah. control alt delete even, kind of game in our yeah, history. But I think. even <laughs> even Cummings and Jamie McLaren, like we said, are different players. Mm. A few months ago um, or weeks ago, whenever it was, Graham Arnold said they're very similar type of players. No, they're not. They're very different players. <laughs> Socceroos coach. So can we please utilize them to their strengths? That would be ideal. But you know, uh, so Dylan. Couple of things. I think I understand not starting Cummings against uh, France, and me and Antonis we, we discussed a little bit before around Cummings potentially being more suited to a two-strike formation, which which I understand. But that's only really because we've seen him be playing in a two-strike formation for so long. You know, I don't think it's like he can't adapt to playing as a as a sole nine um, and, and jumping off the line and, and doing those things to link play. I think he could do that a lot better than than Duke and McLaren, but. I think I against agree. France, against France, he doesn't really suit a potential counter-attacking game, and he's not really the guy who's going to work as much off the ball as a Duke or McLaren. So I'd rule him out of that one. I th- there's a sneaky case potentially for McLaren to start against France. I know that's I know that sounds ridiculous, but think about how the game will go. Like I understand Duke could be a set piece threat, but if you had McLaren, if you had Lecky, and if you started Mabil on the right, I mean you've got speed in that front three and you've got a potential to break with speed in in counter-attacking moments the counter the i guess to argument, that, the only argument for that though is mclaren's doing the total opposite at club level he's not playing in much of a counter-attacking side yeah. at club level no, no but i think he could be adapted to a counter-attacking team i guess is what i'm yeah. saying but i, I yeah, guess the, no, for sure. the argument against that with france is that it's not like they've got slow defenders right you know they've got they've got guys who can cover very well, um, and, and will mop things up. Uh, and and you you you're gonna imagine that their counter pressing in particular when they lose the ball is gonna be gonna be really intense. Uh, to win it back straight away. So you know it's just a, just a thought. Uh, anyway, one thing you mentioned with yeah, the yeah, um okay. quick forwards. 
would you not include uh, not Mobile and Martin Boyle in that front line then? Fuck, I just, I literally, I have to admit, uh, I, I, I did forget about say, Martin just then. I was going to say, for me, in our first game, going through the counters, I'd actually have Boyle and Goodwin on the other side and then Mitchell Goodwin. Duke up front. If wow. you want to deliver set pieces, you want to cross when you get the opportunity. Well, this, this ties in nicely because, so wingers, um, look, we obviously know Antonis wants, wants Goodwin to start. No, for um, that and, game, and for that game, Goodwin starts for me, for that game. Yeah. After that, you can talk about it, but that game, Goodwin starts. Seriously, okay, maybe, if you want maybe, to play okay. Set pieces. Honestly, honestly, I think Lecky, for me, probably should be starting on the left. Like, I understand Goodwin, though, for that game and what he can offer from set pieces and stuff. But I mean, for me, Leckie's just been really sharp and I've been really impressed with the way he started this, this oh, A-League season. Yeah, like really impressed. And th- there's even a case though that if Boyle was in 100% come come France, you know, could Leckie play on the right and Goodwin does does slot in and both can play. Um, that's that's obviously not an issue either. In terms of Mabil, um, now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring up something. I actually think, he, this is my hot take, uh, I actually think Tilio should have been in the squad over him. Um and we mentioned Marco Tilio at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, yeah, I know. We haven't even mentioned Marco Tilio yet, but I actually genuinely think I would have taken Tilio and Kowal. Um yeah. I'm I'm just clearly just all about our youngsters at the moment. Yeah. Um can and, I, yeah. Can I uh, just yeah, say how yeah. great it is to be having these conversations after last World Cup, which the squad felt pretty cut and dry. It mm-hmm. feels like this this sarc around, we've got so many more options, which is fantastic to see. We're obviously doing go- trending towards the right direction yeah and i think I mean, you're talking about the strike situation as well where if you're leaving our target a lot of people are calling for d'agostino to be in the squad at one stage which as much as you probably wouldn't put him in that top four he's still a fantastic striker as well mm-hmm. yeah yeah but with tilio i just think um yeah again offers something a little bit different but you know he's just watching him in recent weeks and kind of similar to koala i'm just getting that feeling where it's like you know he's he's just you know very accomplished technically uh and he's going to play with no fear i feel if he if he was if he was to go but look i understand the mobile selection i think him and arnold have a very close relationship i think as well which is quite underrated um because arnie actually gave him his gave him his first cap and the same with deng um and even the way arnold was speaking about him today in the presser and and speaking about how much he trusts him and things like that there's almost there's a very kind of close bond there which you can't which you can't underestimate um so strikes me uh, christian he also strikes me as the type of player where the lack of minutes element of it will be a total anomaly and i always reference yet an axe incredible performance against honduras in the playoff (laughs) in that in that when you're coming off a lack of minutes but you've had that form for the soccer brews it doesn't matter as much and that's that's why i personally would 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 even start my bill um against france but that that's just because i know he can be very reliable in a Mm. soccer shirt yeah no no Um, i i totally agree and it's um I'm. I'm not actually saying that. Uh, it's like AO is a bad option either. Um, I. I think he can still offer something for sure. Um, I just. That's just a personal opinion around. Um, around Tilia, but. Um. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess that that kind of covers it in terms of in terms of the squad. In terms of starting elevens, we we've kind of I guess been going through it there. But is there any? Has anyone got some wild ideas? I guess around how how this team should be set up. Um, you know, are there any players who who might be considered more backup options who, who we think should start? Um, we all know Dylan thinks that uh, Rusty shouldn't even be on the plane. So I mean, that's that's <laughs> you know. Um, I actually I do have what could be a controversial hot take for the first game against France. So obviously Arnold's gone with five centre backs. 
two of them, you know, not up to game standard from what we know of. But if they are, so we start with Suter and Rolls or one of the two and, and, and say Bailey Wright or Degenek on the other side, could Thomas Dang be a possible fit in that right back for that game? Why not? Why not? I yeah. Think, yeah. I think because uh, if you... If I don't think it's controversial at all. Yeah. If you look at Karicic and Atkinson, I think defensively, they're not really going to bring as much as mm-hmm. what Dang will. Yes. And I was going to go with my point. The only thing I've got a pretty settled lineup. The only thing I change is someone like, for example, I think even though they're both not the strongest defensively, I probably start Karasic over Atkinson against France just because I feel he's a bit more solid defensively, whereas Atkinson's a bit better going forward. But mm. putting Deng to the right back, you won't have me complaining. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, I think that's actually a pretty decent. Um... And he's take, actually a really good take. Yeah, no, I, I, holy shit! <laughs> it beats the Hrustich take. Yeah, like, the Hrustich take is like that's like you're on Mars at that point. But um, in terms of the midfield setup, I think there's some interesting things that can be done here. I mean, there's for me, I've mentioned it before. I would, you know, particularly against France, I think a, a pivot is necessary. A, a double six. Um, you know, you said around uh, in terms about playing a natural six at least, but I would have just two kind of shielding, uh, and it would probably be. Irvine and Devlin, probably in that case. But I just wonder if that's the case and you've got Irvine and Devlin maybe as two sitters. I mean, Moy has to factor in it into this starting 11, of course. Do you actually have him in more of a more advanced roaming role higher up the pitch where he can actually potentially be in scenarios where, you know, he can supply that front three in, in moments that we need to? Because just thinking about it, it's a potential option. I don't know. I don't know if Arnold has got the got the balls i guess to do that though i'll i'll be honest i've been thinking about that the whole podcast mm. no honestly that, like that middle, that middle three against france i think Moy could possibly be the 10 i, I think mm. that's that's a pretty good midfield three especially as you said we're not gonna have the ball much but, but and you can also you can always sorry sorry cody does that mean who's just left on the bench then though well well, well, well that's, that's that's the, the question thing. there's a question with these fitness that that's right, okay. that's right. So that that would potentially be an option if if Rustich isn't fit. I guess if Rustich is fit, he probably has to play as a ten, right? So then maybe Devlin drops to the bench, and then Moy and Irvine play as two sitters, and that's that's pretty pretty settled there. I don't, I just, I don't know. I just with with Moy in in a Socceroo shot, I've just always felt I'd like to see him do what he can do higher up the pitch. I just always wanted to see it. That's all. Mm-hmm. Um, to be honest, and maybe it's not the time to see it. I understand that. But yeah, I just kind of. don't know how that goes with the intensity we're going to face against yeah. France. I mean, yeah, given know, we're playing a more defensive it. game against France yeah. anyway, it's not the time. Yeah. Against Tunisia, though, there's oh, your golden ticket. There you go, absolutely. For Tunisia, That's what I mean. There's your golden yeah. ticket for Moy to play up, yeah. Mm. For me, that first game in my midfield, I'd have Devlin, Irvine, and McGree. I think me. Devlin just has because, to be in this. Yeah. I think, honestly, I think it, it's difficult because... You know, Devlin's potentially having to face up against like an Irvine Moy thing here, which is which is you know the, the established kind of um, midfielders of the squad. But the, you know, I mean, if it was if it was enough to put Rogic out of the team entirely, but the, the thing about Devlin is that he's a bulldog, right? He's Christian. an absolute bulldog, isn't and I just this, think that yeah, Antonis, yeah. Isn't this the issue we're facing here at home with Adelaide United in the midfield? That oh having someone, no, 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 Jesus no, Christ, having we've someone, had enough conversations about the Adelaide United midfield. Tangents, no, no, tangents. Having someone that 
fits the team better over someone with a reputation. Yeah. Just yeah. because you are a highly, highly accomplished mm. footballer doesn't necessarily mean there's a spot for you in that game where there is absolutely going there is to a be point a spot for you in Antonis, the next game. And Tonis, that there is a very important point of difference, right? International football works very different to domestic mm. football mm-hmm. in that your experience and certainly your 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 chemistry with other players when you're wearing the shirt together, it, it does mean a lot more. I think you just think about how long Mervine and Moy have been together in the setup. I mean, we're, we're talking years and years mm-hmm. and years and years, two whole World Cup cycles. That's different to, you know, should Louis Dorigo get Isaias out of the team? Because you, you're dealing with a very different dynamic there. You're dealing with 26 different weeks of football. We're talking about a tournament scenario, three games. Your, your chemistry with that other guy it needs to be. But, that, that, but that's kind of my chemistry, point around. Yeah. But that's kind of my point around starting Devlin and actually trusting Devlin is it's like we've got three games here. We know what this guy can do. Like mm-hmm. I mentioned a couple of times there, like this guy will get around the pitch and he'll be flying in the tackles left, right, and center. Mm-hmm. Like that that that's and kind you need of it what game. he can do. You but, need it. You need it, and but on the flip side, he's got the he's got the nice touch, right? He's got the he's got the game where he can distribute and uh, and he can kind of control tempo at certain points. Not as good as an Aaron Moy, of course, but you know he's got that in his locker. So what I'm saying, mm-hmm. I guess, to Matt's point around, we've got three games. Is let's you know you only got three games, right? But if we can just try some little things here and there, like why not? Again, we don't. Yes, okay. To your point, Matt, we might have something to lose where it's like, okay. Denmark and Tunisia, you know, they are they are winnable games potentially, particularly Tunisia, right? But we are still on paper, you know, the the well, arguably the worst team. Still, I'll say arguably because because we're not too sure about how Tunisia are are going to shape up. But I, I just think we should experiment maybe a little bit. But that that's kind of just been my feeling towards this whole World Cup. Um, and chemistry, think, yeah. yeah, chemistry is huge. But like I said, we said at the start, I feel like even though they might not have played together as much it is a very close squad and I feel it's one that's going to help each other out and for me I especially against France who is a side that has a lot of talent but they've got their own like midfield shortcomings too Pogba's not going to play Kante's not going to play who are two very Mm. important midfielders so it's Mm. something that if you can get your midfield to work to functionally you can it can be a point of difference in a game where no one expects anything from you and suddenly you go half an hour or something like that without conceding to France you even go to half time without conceding they start doubting themselves what are we doing here can we do this we haven't looked good so if you can get that working who knows you know it's 90 minutes crazier things have happened I'm Greek we won the Euros for God's sake (laughs) All right. Um, and just more broadly, a general point as well. I, I think what we've got, I think Antonis, you mentioned this before, is coming into this, it actually feels like, and thinking about after the squad was announced, actually how many players missed out who are actually playing in Europe. And you actually thought, wow, like we've got we've got a lot of options in in a lot of kind of different areas. Maybe, maybe that the quality of those options has diminished from, you know, say 10 years ago, but it, it does seem like there's a broader uh, talent pool to, to actually, choose from. For me, like people, people talk about the fact that 2018 was a lot stronger than, than 2022 in terms of, of the generation. And that's where the more you look into it, I, I, I think, I think starting 11 wise, yeah, maybe it's stronger, but yeah. I don't know if depth wise yeah. it's stronger. Yeah. 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 Would you argue coaching wise it was stronger? Cause I think that exacerbates a lot of what's happening. You know, I suppose, I so suppose, yeah. for me, I really, really rate what we're doing here. And I feel like after this cycle finishes, 
if um, Graham Arnold stays, if someone else comes in, whoever it is, I think they're going to start looking at what it's going to look like for the Asian Cup. And we're going to see the Metcalfs, the Jean Rose get their chances. And oh, yeah, by no means they, are they out yeah, of the, uh, but, out of yeah, the thinking. But yeah, but that's where these guys improve, you know? So mm. that's when we talk about generations. Volpato, like we said, was discarded from A-League academies. And I explained for Roma, this, if the hard work is there, if the talent is there, which it is, if they get those opportunities, who knows where they can go? So, mm. you know, time will tell. Mm. That's the thing. I think we're entering a really exciting generation with the Socceroos. We're talking about all those players that are just gone to Europe that have been left out. A lot of those guys are still very, very early in their career. And we've got a lot of guys in the A-League who have probably just made their debuts in the last year or two. Mm -hmm. That could very well make those moves over to Europe in the next few years, maybe in the next season or so. Mm -hmm. The fact that we've got that, we've got this massive pool of players that we're going to be able to pick from for the years coming up. And there's probably players that haven't even debuted yet in the A-League. One guy we took... um, I know you guys talk about offline, Johnny Yule. The fact that he hasn't got his opportunity to get in the air league. I know right now... It's are we, are we somehow circling back to the Adelaide United midfield again? I'm... I'm bring, I'm, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm bring it up. I'm hey, guys, I'm getting coins and personal to Watford earlier this afternoon. It wasn't me this time. No, but he's a clear example where he's someone who we haven't seen a lot of yet in the air league, but that's someone who in probably four or five years' time mm. could very well be in the position that someone like maybe Grant Wall is now. Well, where he could be there because he had a trial at Chelsea and Chelsea literally said, let's have you. But it didn't eventuate. So it's it's there. It's happening. Oh, and yeah. once, he's back, he once he's back, once his back gets well, he should 100% be starting. And there's players that probably don't get talked about enough. There was that young Sydney FC keeper, the name escapes me, and Tiago Quintal that have gone to trial. That, Cody, um, Cody, can I just Dylan, put a Dylan, Dylan's got that, Dylan's for got two name, seconds? Man. Hang on. Cody, can I, can I, I just I put a lid on this? For- Adam Pavlicic, Adam Pavlicic, yeah. yeah. Sorry, uh, Matt, yeah. Okay, look, I, th- I think you, you need to reel that kind of comment in quite a bit because if you look at it five, ten years ago, two names that come to mind, Tommy Orr and Danny De Silva, they took these really incredible moves to Europe when they were 16, 17. Where, where, where did they end up, Cody? Where did they end up? Well, you're talking at that time we had two players that were making those picks. We've got a lot more than yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Definitely right I think if you look back on it, I think if you look back there were more. And Matthew Lecky, they make those moves as well, probably to a much less fanfare, and they they're still playing for the Socceroos. So you know, for every Tommy Orr, you're going to get now when we build more well, players. I remember, I remember, so I remember, I remember actually talking to um uh, Rob Sherman, who was the only briefly uh, around the kind of COVID period was the ex technical director of um of Football Australia, yeah, and yeah. talking to him about this this sort of discussion around talent pools and stuff like that, and. The, the fact is, and Matt, to your point, yes, that's that's a good point, but I agree with Cody because you actually have to have, if you've got 20 players in Europe, well, two are bound to not not be world beaters, but they're bound to maybe be Moyes and Rogaches. Do you understand what I'm saying? Whereas, mm-hmm. you know, if you've only got literally five out there, well, you know, you're probably going to come come out with no one, right? So you've got to increase the talent pool. And I do think through really the A-League, you know, through the A-League, that talent pool has increased in the last couple of years, which is why, and kind of maybe like you as well, I have been skeptical around what are we doing with pathways? Where's, you know, where's the talent coming from? Blah, blah, blah. But I've held on to that skepticism a little bit because I just want to see, as Cody's saying, I want to see how this 
generation of players develops in the next couple of years. But so. I, but I think there's no coincidence that Prostich is the the like he's been he's been a guy that everyone sort of single handedly said has made it. He had the very very old school golden generation 2006 approach of mm. I'm going to Europe when I'm insanely young and all of my mm. development is happening there. And, and, we, and we've also got to point out that it's a lot harder team. for young Australian kids to do that uh, in this day and yeah. age than it yeah, was. Yeah, but, but, I'm, but I'm just saying if, if, if that kind of culture is still the current cornerstone of things, I, I, can't, I can't with a straight face say that, that, that in 2026 we're, we're going to be this dramatically better team because you, you just don't know sometimes. And I think that there is a better phase of development but there's still a lot of question marks. Yeah. There has to be question marks just because of how young some of these guys are. But yeah, for the next year, we need as a country to get this godforsaken second division running just so the oh, national not even that, even like a proper yeah. youth or reserve yeah, league. Yeah, and that one. Think, the, honestly, the youth league thing think, needs think about to the have the number Noah one. Noah Bodich was scoring goals yeah. for fun for the Joeys and can't get a game in the A League or any competition near well, it because there's have no other a look at Western on. United with Milanovic starting and scoring the week before and getting benched for a James Troisi, who mm. has been largely, largely underwhelming for a couple of years now. Mm. So as a country, number one, get a youth league running. That's not a Mickey Mouse 10 games business, number one. Number two, get the second division so this natu- natural progression can come in so we stop recycling a player that represents half the league and they progressively move down and players that deserve to move up. More chances for professional opportunities means more spotlight. More spotlight means more players overseas. Thankfully, in the last year, Scotland has seen these players, has picked up these players, and you see them. Actually, yeah, I shouldn't thank the A League. I should thank the Scottish Premier League. Yeah, Sorry. but look at the look at the squad. How many players from the Scottish League that have gone the last year in it? It, it makes a it was huge where Jackson difference. Irvine developed. It was where yeah. Jackson Irvine developed. Aaron yeah. Moy. It makes a huge difference. So, and did Jackson Irvine struggle while he was in Australia's youth system as well? Uh, with victory, yeah, I believe so. In like yeah. 20, 2009, 2010, yeah. But like, like I said, I'll bring him back again, the Italian boy Horpato, who struggled oh, here in the Australian system. <laughs> but that's fine. Christian, are you getting annoyed that we're going off on a tangent? Do you want to... I'll tell you, there is a slight tangent happening here. Yeah. Um, I'll just, I'm gonna, just I'm gonna let, let me finish up one second. A, one second, let minutes. me finish up. It's, Let me finish it, up it, 10 minutes later. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no, you know, not everyone's going to succeed at the same age at the same place. Some players may have a fantastic 14 to 16-year-old journey in Australia. Some may blossom in their 20s in Europe. It's not linear. It works different for everyone else. You just have to make sure you provide the most opportunities you can in the more places that you can. And we have to start in Australia, and then Europe will take care of itself. Hmm. All right. Um I think that just about does it. Massive uh, megapod tonight. Uh, any? Oh, hang on a minute. Fuck! Before I forget, got a couple of questions that were sent in um, earlier today. Leave them right yeah. at the end <laughs> for us to answer. Yeah, I, I literally sent this out about an hour before we actually started recording, but I got a couple of responses. So, so there you go. So, first one. Oh, yeah, um, massive. <laughs> oh absolutely a massive code. That that goes without saying. Anyway, um, first question is related to the Joel King situation. Um, so, Joe K says, would love any reasoning as to why Joel King was selected other than the fact he played for Sydney FC. So, um, now Come that's on, he's a, playing that's... in Europe now. He's, yeah, he's playing at Odense. So, that, I mean, you can, you can start with that. Yeah. We, yeah, that, yeah I think it, is, it does seem like a nod to the future, though. Yeah, it's you touched on the Christian and Cody about that being a nod to the future and about having two 30-year-olds you're just going to pick the one you're going to play and then you're going to have one 
that you plan on using in the future, I guess. Yeah, and I also think that the conversation around Davidson is all almost sort of surrounded around him being slightly younger than what he actually is. You know, he was playing for the team seven, eight, eight years ago. Yeah. So yeah, he's, now he's that plays into bit, it yeah. for sure. And um, really, I don't think anyone would have complained if Davidson was the one selected instead of Beach, for example. You know, many people would be comfortable with him having that starting role because he has said that before. But as we said, he's kind of looking towards the future and it looks like he prefers Bates. Dylan, any thoughts on that, um, that there's any potential Sydney FC bias happening here? Oh, I mean, there could be a little bit. But I'm not I suggesting think... there is. I don't think there is. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there, there could be, you know, just because Arnold knows King better than he would with Davidson and, and Bates, I think, you know, it might help with Kings, you know, might help with um with King getting into that squad. But I think, as we said, because he's the younger one of the three, mm. it puts him at good stead for the next World Cup, the next two World Cups. If, you know, he's got that experience now under his belt, which mm. I think is an important thing to have. And yeah. Can I just add to the point about our conspiracy theories? Because Alex Gersbach is also a left-back that's playing in Europe. Can you remember, did he play under Graham Arnold? Yeah, he did. He did it. Yep. Yeah, so you know that destroys the conspiracy because actually oh, King King didn't play under Arnold. Gersback played. So yeah. if you want to see the conspiracy this up, it's Gersback that should be in there. Yeah. All right. Uh, now the other question I'm really keen to um keen to get into. So look, it is it is related to Volpato, but it is it is quite funny. Um, I'm not sure if Pauline Hanson actually commented this, but um anyway, so it is. Should Volpato ever set foot in Australian soil again? Um. <laughs> So he's got a passport. Yeah. The passport. I thought I'd be agreeing with the far right, but here we are. (laughs) (laughs) That's a, that's, that's a extreme, uh, extreme comment in my opinion. I mean, if Pauline Hanson said the comment. It wasn't Pauline Hanson. Obviously that was a, you know, can I just preface this? Can you imagine if at some stage in the future, say the one after America, we somehow magically host the World Cup and get drawn in the same group as Italy and he represents <laughs> oh, yeah. Italy? <laughs> Jesus. <Ooh. laughs> just oh, well. some fantasy booking out there for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yes, yes, Christian Walpato should be allowed to set foot in Australian soil again is the answer to that question. Australian citizen is Australian born and raised. Yes. I... Like I said, I'm not closing the door to him actually pulling on a Socceroos jersey. I just think in the meantime, there probably is a little... Like like I said before, he's still a kid. He's got to take some time to think. But at this stage of his career, I don't think we should be pursuing that. Yeah, But I would still welcome him in the country. He's still nauseous. <laughs> yeah, no. no, no, no. Like, Jesus, all right? <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> anyway. Um, you took that way too seriously. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. Any Any last thoughts before we go? I just want to want to want to leave people with the fact that um, you know these these soccerers, these men that have been selected, have been selected for the biggest honour that we've had in some sixteen years, purely purely for the fact that they are representing soccerers on the centenary, mm. and the fact that that this kit it means more than it ever could have done, um, especially considering how many people wrote us off, how many people said we wouldn't make it. They're writing us off for France as well, so go out there and prove everyone wrong. Absolutely. All right, uh, Dylan, Cody, Antonis, anything from you? I think I, that's the perfect way to end it. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, 
that about wraps it up. Um, and yeah, so if you if you got through the the two hours of this, I reckon that's going to clock in about two hours. Then uh, very much appreciate it because um, yeah, really really good insight, guys, into into the squad. And uh, yeah, a lot of talking points, a lot of talking points from it. Uh, anyway, that's uh, that's all from us. And uh, yeah, you can listen to us in the next one soon.